This is Wolves Weekly from Wolves Radio. I'm Mikey Burrows and I'm joined by the former Wolves midfielder Dave Edwards and delighted to say the Wolves women's head coach Dan McNamara is with us this week as well. And Dan, we have to start with you and Edo won't like this one little bit (laughs) because your last game was against his beloved Shrewsbury and it was quite a good result. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was a, a great tie when it, when the draw was made. You know, everyone was looking forward to it, and uh, no, it ended up being a really good game. You know, it was really competitive in moments. You know, the scoreline probably might not say that, but uh, I think Shrewsbury gave a really good account of themselves and where they're at within their journey. And you know, thankfully we we were through. I think that was a big thing in the early rounds of the FA Cup, just getting through. But great experience for the girls, and yeah, really good, memorable game. For those who don't know, um, eight two was the final score but uh, we were talking on Wolves Weekly last week about the expectation was always there on your team yeah I think it, it you know when you when you go to lower league opposition I think it's a sort of a free hit for them and and you're expected to turn up and to do well so yeah the girls you know they they were professional throughout and um, I think we were a bit disappointed I don't like conceding goals so uh, the, the two was a bit of a disappointment for me personally but <laughs> You know, I think it, as I said, it was a it was a great uh, a great day. I think the two hundred people that were in there thoroughly enjoyed it. And as I said, a lot of respect for the for the Shrewsbury girls. There's uh, there's quite a few talented girls in there, and maybe one or two we'll keep our eye on over the next uh, the next few months. Well, that's keep your hands off. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I was going to bring you in, Edo, because I know you know some people involved with Shrewsbury women and. It's important to grow the game, I guess, across the county of Shropshire. I mean, the fact that Wolves are now playing their games at Telford will help a lot in that respect as well. But it's important to to have that kind of element of focusing on women's football sometimes. Yeah, the evolution of women's football, um, even before the Lioness's success in the summer, it's, it's been incredible. You look at the last decade and how much it's come on. And I think every football club now is really seeing... Um, the impact it can have on the community. And I know Wolves are a little bit further along in their journey than what Shrewsbury are, but I know Shrewsbury works so hard to um, produce a women's team that's competitive as possible and just to play in the game against Wolves in front of a couple hundred people um, and say score some goals and then say the game is amazing for them. But for the work that the Wolves have done, um, done in the last couple of years, and I think it's hopefully going to be your season this year. Um, I think you started really well. But no, it's great. And it's, a, it's so important for the community. It really is. You see the amount of young girls now at grassroots level playing football um, in schools. It's, yeah, it's a credit to how far it's come. Because Dan, how big is that? Uh, and how much of an element do you feel it upon your shoulders and the shoulders of your players that you are not just trying to get results week in, week out, but you are trying to help build and, and lead something? It's unbelievable what, what's gone on over the last few years. I think... Uh, I, I... After the disappointment last year, you sort of reflect, and I think sometimes you you hone in on the 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 results of of the business. Whereas actually, it's a far bigger picture. And I think uh, I had a bit of a reflection thing after the Black Country Derby this season. Uh, obviously, at Telford, myself and Jenny Sugarman, the, the the Albion manager, said to her at the end, like we've put nine hundred people in a stadium here to watch a women's game. You know, that's the success. If if we look at where I was personally, where we was as a club. Four years ago when I took over, I can remember we played Blackburn in front of 34 people at Hensford um, and we got a drum in on that day as well. So, you know, it's unbelievable, both results and off the pitch. I think the off the pitch stuff is probably the more uh, 
the more impressive and successful side of it, to be honest. Um, and then you look at within the stand and within those 900 at, at, at Telford a few weeks ago, the amount of girls, you know, we're seeing uh, on Twitter lately, there's young girls that have, they're following in, you know, Tammy George's footsteps and Anna Price's footsteps. They're seeing who they want to be now. I think a big thing out of the England success in the summer was if you can, if you can see it, you can be it. And we're starting to see that now. There's, there's a, I can, I can remember a couple of sisters that have, have recently told me that they've joined uh, one of the, the up, upcoming, you know, football in the in the community kind of sessions, and, and they're thoroughly enjoying it. And now they've joined a proper team. So I think that's the real success, and I'm sure Dave will agree there. Shrewsbury is starting to have that impact across their their side of the county too. Dave, yeah, as I said, most most definitely. I said the amount of you look further down the, the pyramid and get into the grassroots stuff. <clears throat> My boys' grassroots team, maybe I say I played for the same team when I was young, and there, there wasn't there wasn't a girls' team in sight at all. Whereas now every single age group has a girls' team, and they're oversubscribed, and it's just incredible to see how far it's come. And even in in secondary school now, it's a cool thing for girls to be doing playing football they're, they're sort of it's looked upon as um a, a massive what it, I don't want to say popularity thing but it's, it's it's becoming that um within within girls and then that transforms that into wanting to play for Shrewsbury wanting to play for Wolves seeing the success that the England national team have I follow Wales closely as well and they've gone within inches themselves of qualifying for a major tournament it's how quickly it's coming along and the um, not just the participants, but the people watching the games as well. Say nine hundred for a Black Country derby, incredible. The national team selling out stadiums, Wales playing in the Cardiff City Stadium, having tens of thousands watching their game. It's it is crazy to see how quickly and how far it's come along. Um, and I just think it'll keep going. It'll keep going as as it becomes more of a commercial product. You get more and more investment in it. Um, it'll just keep going strength to strength. I'm sure. Dan, do you feel sometimes that um, with all of this kind of success and with more eyes on it comes more pressure and and then the expectation rises? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's football in general. I think as we as we go through the, the leagues and as we've progressed, you know, there's there's an expectation from the football club. You know, eventually it, it turns into a business almost, doesn't it? I think as you, certainly as you progress into the pro game, like we're, we're hoping to do over the next few years. Um, I think with regards to myself, Mike, I don't think there's anyone that puts as much pressure on myself as I do. Um, I think that burning desire to probably achieve a lifelong dream and work in professional football is, is in, always in the back of my mind. So it doesn't matter whether we're playing in a county cup or a league cup, I want to, I want to have success and I want to give the girls, I keep talking about it, give the girls memories all the time. I keep harping on about it, make memories because it's a, it's a short career, isn't it? It doesn't matter whether it's management or, or as a player. So I think that pressure comes from myself, the, the the club and Jenna, what she's doing at the club at the minute is is amazing. And they've sort of said when it happens, it will be the right time and, and that'll be when we progress again. So at the minute, there's not a, a, an outstanding amount of pressure from Jenna. I'm sure it might come over the next few, uh, few years, but uh yeah, the pressure's from myself. Because one of the things I always say when we do, when we're lucky enough to do commentary, and obviously we're doing radio commentary of, of all the women's games this year, it's available free from from Wolves TV. Just head to wolves.co.uk on a match day to to get that. And obviously, in the last couple of years, we've show, been able to show a lot of games as well. And I always say that the, there are players in your team, Dan, that 
if you're not just a young girl, but if you're a young boy and you're trying to learn the game and learn how to play in certain things, I mean, you watch someone like Amber Hughes, who got a hat trick against Shrewsbury last weekend. She's on 14 goals already from 13 games this season. And as a forward, you watch her movements and the runs that she makes. And, and that is a lesson to anybody, boy or girl. Yeah, absolutely. I think she started the season in, in fine form. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think uh, it's football, isn't it? it? It's just football. I think uh, it's a different product. And I think that's what people are starting to get grasp now. It's it's different. You can't compare it to the men's game. But absolutely, you can still take stuff from the game. You you watch Amber and Amber's a championship centre-forward, if not a Super League centre-forward all day long. If, if she carries on going the way she's going, she's a incredible footballer I think I've never seen somebody finish like she does in front of goal you give her half a chance and she scores as she's proving with her stats at the minute but I think that goes right the way through the team Mikey I'm sure you'll agree it, from from the goalkeeper right the way through to you know the girls that unfortunately aren't making the squad at the minute people can always pick up stuff you know you look at what uh, Anna Price has done over 26 years you know if you can't learn off Anna and and, and even how she's managed to stay at that, that level for this long is, is incredible so um yeah, no, there's plenty of experience and plenty of quality within the, the group that everyone can learn from. It's like, Edo, there's a there's a player uh, that Dan has at the back called Anna Morfitt, who on unbelievable left foot, like the power, like if there's a free kick or any set piece anywhere, like what, 30 yards, 40 yards from goal, like it's going in there. Like, it honestly, it's like, I was just thinking then of like, do you remember Thomas Hitzelsberger? Like, yeah. that left foot power like, that's what she's got though Dan isn't it it's unbelievable yeah I think a lot of the uh, every time you see on Twitter I think someone's it's like a saying they have uh, there's three things in life that are certain I think it's taxes death and anamorphic scoring penalties I think that's it <laughs> <laughs> but like genuinely like there are so many that to learn from and to go through and I think it's it it's really kind of given something different to to following Wolves and you, Dan, and I'm not just saying this because you're on, but, you know, we talk about this every week now that there's a lot of people behind you as well that deserve an awful lot of credit for the journey that you've been. Yeah, no, there is. And there's people that are not here anymore, Mikey, as well. You know, that people that stepped off the journey a couple of years ago, who, who they all you know, need to take credit. I think Marcus, Marcus is now working out at Tottenham Hotspur. He was a huge part of the last two years. Um, you know, the, the, the first physio we had in here, um, Jenny, who came in to cover us over the last few, few months of the, the COVID season. Um, even to Cal, Cal Milgate, you know, really good friend of mine who stepped in and probably had a thankless task, a task that he couldn't succeed in. You know, I asked him to do the last two league games, the County Cup final and the playoff final. And he knew what it meant to me. He knew it was a, a lifelong dream. And unfortunately, he didn't get over the line, but he's played his part in, in this journey. And and then, as you said, even the current staff now, you know, have brought in Andy Jones. Uh, and I'm, not, I'm sure Edo will know Andy Jones, AJ from his time at yeah. Shrewd. Um, unbelievable coach and unbelievable person. You know, the way he's coming in, connected with the girls, they they thrive off him and they hang on his every word. And yeah, they, they, it's just a, a really good in, environment to be part of at the minute. And, uh, and everyone's doing their bit. And you personally are doing it whilst holding down a day job. Those who saw the ceremony before the Arsenal game might have spotted you in your finest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, still, uh, still proud to be doing the uh, the old military stuff. Um, 
RAF have been fantastic with me over the last few years. I think uh, I'm down to doing a couple of half days in at Wolves now, slowly starting to progress towards that hopefully full-time dream. But, you know, it was a, always a proud moment. I think Tom Warren and, and, and the foundation asked me to, to walk out onto the pitch and it was a no-brainer for me. You know, it's, uh, it's always great to get the, the number ones on. Um, had a few good co- Lost a bit of weight over the last few years, Mikey. I think Dad said it's the best put in them. <laughs> I was going to say, how how often do you get to wear that stuff? It's not a lot. It's it's sort of um, ceremonial stuff, really. Uh, so yeah, remembrance parades and and graduations and stuff like that. So it's few and far between. And obviously, I had my uh, my Queen's Jubilee medal to to add to that. That was the first time that that had its outing with myself so um no it was a always a proud moment and I think it you know listen I've Ed or will will have experienced it but I've never been out and, and experienced what it's like being in the center of a pitch with 30,000 really passionate people so to, to experience it and and you know the fans are amazing you know that the reception that we got it was unbelievable but just to be in that moment and and have a, a real small glimpse of what it must have been like to play at the top level was was incredible can we talk about that actually, Edo? Because I, I've I've spoken a little bit about this in the past. That the only time I've done it, Maka, was um was when we got promoted a couple of seasons ago, and I got to go down and do interviews on the pitch. And it's the only time that I've been down on the pitch where there is a full stadium, and it's really weird because it, <laughs> it's not how you view football, right? You your normal view is either you know you on the touchline, Dan, or or me from my seat in the press box. So Edo, like you can actually pick out faces. You, it feels a lot closer. I don't know whether that's. It looks. A, it looks that. a lot easier. It looks a lot easier from where you are, doesn't it, Mike? It, <laughs> that's the thing. It always, whenever I'm up in the stands looking down, it looks like there's so much space. But when you're down at eye level, and it's even if you stood in the technical area like Maka, it still looks fast and frantic. But then you're in the middle of the pitch, and it is, it is, um, yeah, it's a bit more daunting. I feel, but. As good as the crowd is, you're always kind of focused on the match day. But what I will say about it, Saturday night, it was such a, an amazing atmosphere. I think the build-up to that with the new manager and things, like that, I think the fans really wanted to um, stick together and or have this galvanising moment. And then that led into the Remembrance Tributes. And I thought it was a real poignant couple of minutes, the best I've ever witnessed in terms of the, the minute silence, the um, walking out onto the pitch and things. I thought it was just incredible um and me as a fan in the in the stands really enjoyed that moment so to be on the pitch at, at, at that exact time would have been amazing for you Maka. um but yeah once the game kicks off them lads will say they'll shut it out quite quickly um and you do feed off the fans when it's a full house like that but at the same time you've got to try and remain cool and calculated on the pitch and make decisions and you do block it out i would say for the majority of it what did you think to the game because we saw a change in formation and uh, a real effort to try and frustrate uh, an Arsenal team who are flying. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a sign of what's to come under under Lopetegui. I imagine he had quite a lot of input into the way they set up and the way they played. Um, very much back to Nuno being hard to beat, five at the back, being compact, and the shape was excellent. Especially watching up from higher in the stands, you see the the lines of the back five, the midfield three, so disciplined. Um, and on another day, it could have could have easily worked. There was moments, counter attacking moments, where they could have nicked a goal. Um, there's obviously the penalty shot in the first half. Uh, they're playing against a very good Arsenal team. I just felt like they're one good strike away from 
from being really close and really competitive in this in this league. Although I think the the form of Geddes has got a lot better in these last two games, and Adama was effective. Um, I think he is effective as a two playing counter attacking football. But if you put a, a proper number nine up there, whether it be an 18-19 Raul Jimenez or whether it's a, a fully fit Kalajic or a, a decent enough Diego Costa or someone they might bring in, I think that transforms that Wolves team into something who can just sit back and absorb the pressure to someone they can play into, can hold the ball up and then start to bring the other players into play. There were just flashes of moments in the game where Wolves tried to use their pace on the attack, but it was literally just the front two. There wasn't enough time for anyone else to join in with it. Um, but I think it was positive. The fans were incredible. I think they they thought it was a real occasion where they could show the new manager what they're all about. And I think they they did that. The manager would be so impressed with the atmosphere inside the stadium. And he knows if he can get it going, a bit like Nuno did in those, those first couple of years, it's a horrible place for the opposition to play. Um, but he's got some, some time. I, I feel a lot of optimism around the place after that performance and the new manager but they just need to get results. And I think he'll do it by playing that defensive low block, which which we saw against Arsenal. Dan, you were sat a couple of rows behind Julian Lopetegui and his staff. Uh, did you sense that optimism as it has been saying inside the stadium on Saturday night? Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I, I thought it was one of the best atmospheres that I'd been, I'd been part of, uh, or, or, or not been part of, sort of uh, experienced. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it was really interesting watching uh, Lofotegi and his staff and and I found myself sort of watching his reactions to certain moments. Um, you know, there was, I think, as, as Edo said, there was some amazing performances. I was really lucky to sort of spend a bit of time watching them prep last week and it was amazing to see it go onto the pitch. You know, James Collins and Steve Davis, I think they... They almost got it spot on for, for, for the game, you know, what they were working on and the, the, the areas they thought Arsenal would hurt them. They really managed to to control them areas. And, you know, I think Hugo Bueno, for first, first half, he was one of the best performances I've seen. I thought he was outstanding. Um, yeah, Saka absolutely nothing, didn't they? Yeah, Saka no, he, lost every time he got the ball against them. Yeah, he was really, really good. Um, so, no, it, it was great to see it transfer from the training pitch onto, onto Molnew. And, and as I said, they were... Probably a little bit of luck away from getting a, a huge result, and obviously that that's the penalty shout. <laughs> Looking back at it, it's a a really dodgy one, isn't it? But um, yeah, as I said, I think same as Edo. I think there's a huge uh, optimism around the place now. I think um, he, he he's a big he's a big manager with a with a big uh, big sort of um, background. So I think he's gonna he's gonna come in and change the fortunes. I think it won't be long before they they start climbing that table. Are you going to be knocking on the door, asking for some advice and chat? I'll be looking out the windows, doing whatever I can. <laughs> anything. I'll, I'll take anything I can, Mikey. <laughs> Just on a coaching point, Dan, Like uh, you say you had some insight into how they prepared for the game last Saturday. Like, I mean, you've played like the three slash five at the back before as well. And as Edo mentioned, the, the discipline and the organisation that it takes to play in the manner that they did on Saturday... Can you give us an insight into actually how how you get that and how difficult that is to to install because the players actually executed it really well. Yeah, it's um, I think with that three five two or five three two, whatever you want to look at it, it takes a lot of hours on a training pitch. I think um, we're one of the very few women's teams that play it, and and we're always delighted when teams who we know don't play it when they turn up and play it. 
because it, 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 I'm sure Ed will tell you the same. It, it takes a lot of work on the training pitch. And um, you've also, I think, as a coach, you have to have the respect of the players because to ask players of that calibre to sort of sit in and really maintain the shape and play on the counter-attack is they've got to really buy into you and, and your philosophy and what you're trying to do. And, um, you know, I think we've seen it, not, not at Wolves, but at different clubs ac- across the country where... Players don't want to sit in, and the but you know if you can get their buy-in into into such a formation as Dave said before, it can be so uh, so threatening and so dangerous. And we've seen it under Nuno, didn't we? How how powerful the formation can be, and, and playing in that counter-attacking football when you've got the likes of Adama on form. Um, so yeah, a lot of hours on the training pitch. I think when I first came in, that was the formation I wanted to adopt. We needed to stop scoring, stop conceding goals. So. Um, First couple of games didn't go to plan, but you know you slowly started seeing a little bit of success, and you get the buy-in of the players. And, and next thing you know, you you're getting your clean sheets. That's first and foremost what you need to start getting results. Because I know that's the thing, isn't it? During this period now, we know the players have had a little bit of a break, um, but Julian Lopetegui and his staff won't be taking much of a break, and they'll be plotting and planning. And then the training begins to to really drill them in, and I'm. I'm conscious of asking you again about that first period under Nuno because that was intense that preseason to get instilled into you what the what the new coach wanted. Yeah, and I think that's where the manager is quite lucky. I know there's certain players that won't be there, but the bulk of the squad he can start to get his ideas across. And, and Mac had just alluded to it there: three five two or five three two is not something that you can throw in at half time. You you used to play in four three three say, right, we're going to change the three at the back. Because it it's something which needs so much work on the distances between the outside centre halves and the full backs or the wing backs and the relationship of when they're defending and when they're attacking and the balance on the opposite side. It's so difficult to do unless you have that time on the training pitch. And I imagine it looks like it possibly might be a formation that he goes to. But having worked under Nuno for that preseason, it was double sessions and video analysis every single day. And it was just knowing exactly what your role is in the system. And there'll be a few variations, I'm sure, under Lopetegui, if they can go to a four or if it's a, a three, four, three, three, five, two, all those different things. Um, but having that actual time to walk through patterns of play on the training pitch, show it back in video analysis, go back out either in the afternoon or the next day and do it again, and then show people sort of week on week the progression and how the good things have happened then that's, that's so um, advantageous for this manager to have this six-week block or, or whatever it is before they play again. Um, whereas if he'd have just come in and trying to get it all in, in in one week and then trying to implement it on a match day, it's a lot tougher. So I can imagine it's going to be, um, so once the players had that initial break, it's going to be very, very intense over the next month or so. Yeah, I can absolutely imagine it. Um, quick mention for the under-21s uh, before we have a little bit of fun to finish off. Uh, they beat Sunderland. On Monday, uh, having beaten Reading on the Friday before that. So starting off their Premier League Cup campaign, the competition that they lost on penalties to West Bromwich Albion. We mentioned that many more times um, at the back end of last season. Um, So they're going well in the group stage of that competition. They next face Porto. Won't be able to show you that on Wolves TV from Premier League Rules, the International Cup. But um, we will be trying to bring you some coverage of uh, the Football League trophy game against Manchester United for Molyneux next week. And the under-18s had a 2-1 defeat to Leeds at the weekend, but there were some impressive performances from some very young players. And I know there was a young under-17s group 
that did well um, out in the Netherlands recently. So congratulations to them. So things going well at different age groups. Um, of course, it is uh, World Cup time. Uh, Dave Edwards uh, has been to a major tournament with Wales. Um, we will talk about that maybe on the next Wolves Weekly when we get Edo on. Um, and I've also got a special 1-11 to planned for that as well. Um, but I've come up with a different game because I didn't know how good Maka would be at 1-11. to um, And when I actually broached the subject with him, I think he was a bit concerned. So I've come up with a different game instead for the pair of you. Um, there are 15 full internationals in the current Wolves men's first team squad. I want you to try and name the top 10. So Maka can go first. Got three lives. Can you, you, you say find top ten? Do you mean most caps? The most caps, yeah, in the current Wolves men's first team squad. Okay, so just kick off with the first one, yeah. Yeah, you go first, and then Edo goes. So it's got to be Zhao. Zhao Martino is number one, one hundred and forty-six caps. Wow, <laughs> that's insane. Um, Raúl Jiménez. Raul Jimenez is number two on the list, 97 caps for Mexico. You include this one the other day. Uh, I believe so. <laughs> Maybe it's 98, I don't know. Uh, Bobby Ruben. Ruben Neves is number four on the list with 32 caps he's up to now for Portugal. Good luck to him in the World Cup. Uh, Semedo. Nelson Semedo is number six. 24 caps for Portugal. Here's where we start getting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Alma's got to have a few. He's, he's, he's got to have a few. He's Man. in the top. Adama. Adama Traore is number 10. Eight <laughs> caps oh. for Spain. <laughs> right then. Has Johnny got more than eight or not for Spain? Um, what about. Bubakar Traore. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> that was a bit of a left field one. Uh, I thought he was really uh, good. He was amazing the other night, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Very good. Uh, I'm Because, it, listen, it's competition, Mikey, so I'm going to rob Johnny off, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh-uh, you were wrong oh. to do oh. so. Oh. Uh, only three caps for Johnny. Nathan Collins. Got might have more than eight. Republic Island Caps. Uh, <laughs> no. I'm afraid he's only got six. Oh, no. We're missing how many? Missing, missing quite a few, aren't we? Five? Six? Uh, yeah, you're missing the number three, number five, and then seven, eight, and nine. I've, de- I've definitely got number three here. I can't believe we both forgot about him. Diego. Diego Costa is on the list. He's not number three. Oh. He is number seven. 24 oh, right. caps for Spain, 10 goals. <laughs> Alright, okay. Neto? Uh, uh, uh. No, I'm absolutely having one. Edo, uh, he's only got three caps. So, Edo... I'm winning the 10 to 15. Yeah, Edo is out. (laughs) Uh, Three wrong answers. Dan McNamara, just to seal your victory in this game, can you give me any of the others? The third, the fifth, the eighth, or the ninth? Most fans will be screaming listening to this. (laughs) I've got two that I want to say, but I don't know. I don't know whether either of them are. I'm going to say Pedence. Surely, 
Eh, eh. Oh. Daniel Penance. <laughs> Daniel Penance only has one cap. Does he? Only the one cap. Yeah, amazing. I say there's a lot of good players. Yeah. play for Portugal and some of them like Jean Martino and Cristiano Ronaldo play an awful lot so it's <laughs> hard to get into that squad the, their numbers are ridiculous um, do you want to have a either of you in fact I mean Dan you've still well, got one life left so you well, can still go again if you want I think my other one was going to be um, Guades but I, again is he Guades top- would have been a right answer he is number but, five 32 caps how are we not getting number three here, Edda? Like Kal- Kalajic? Kalajic is on the list. Number eight, 15 caps. Jose Sarr? How many games have we played? Oh. Not... Awesome. Jo- no, Jose Sarr no. does not have a senior cap. He's oh, been right. in the squad an awful lot, but he has yet to make his international debut. Maybe it could come at the World Cup if things go badly for Portugal or if uh, something happens to Rui Patricio, but yeah, Jose Sarr is not on the list. So number three and number nine is what you're looking for. I'll give you a clue. The number three has played 49 times for his country and he is going to the World Cup. <laughs> Absolute mind blank. Yeah. This is terrible. If you go through the start 11 from, this, from these games. Uh, so, and the other player that you can start thinking of is uh, a new it. arrival this season, and he too is going to the World Cup. I'm missing, I'm missing someone here. Oh, um, Nunes. Nunes oh. is number nine on the list with nine caps. Yeah, is that all he's got as well? Forty-nine caps. Forty-nine <laughs> caps for his country. Going to the World Cup. He's going to the World Cup. Yeah, we've only got five, I think, going to the World Cup. What position, Mikey? He is a forward. We're in the three strikers, haven't we? <laughs> Normally, I'd be trying to come in with some food and stuff, but I'm loving looking at both your faces, desperate (laughs) to try and get this. It's embarrassment more than anything, Mikey, at this point. I tried to position myself as a Wolves expert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, you're going to have to. Yeah. You're both giving up. What number is he? He actually changed numbers this year. He's uh, number 11, I believe, in the matchday squad. He says reaching around for a programme to definitely check that. That's not even out to be better. Yeah, there he is, yeah. Number 11. <laughs> what was he last year? 26. Wang. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Of course. He Chan Wang. 49 caps for South I Korea. I have Portugal in my mind. I was just thinking Portuguese, <laughs> Portuguese, Portuguese. <laughs> uh, Dan McNamara is the winner. Oh, of course. <laughs> No one deserves to win that one, Mikey. <laughs> Dan, it's been brilliant to have you on and get your insight on a number of things. And good luck. I know you're through this period now. We've got lots of cup games coming up. Um, and then the challenge is on to be in that playoff again. And, well, first of all, clinch your title again and then be in that playoff for the championship again. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the aim, mate. So, um, yes, five five cup games on the bounce now. So hopefully we can progress in them. We want to be successful in all the competitions and and hopefully we'll have you commentating at a, a playoff game in, in, the, uh, in the near future. So thanks for having me on, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for being with us. And uh, Dave Edwards, I know that you're preparing for the World Cup um, and obviously all the chats about England and Wales that you're going to get for the next week or so. Um, so thank you for your time as well. Um, this has been Wolves Weekly for Wolves Radio.